Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. And just before we get to our guest today, we're continuing our fundraising efforts here at Cannabis Health Radio to keep the podcast alive. If you'd like to, us to continue bringing these interviews to you, then consider making a pledge, either a one-time donation or a monthly donation. Go to the donate page on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and help sustain us. We want to help as many people around the world as we can to have a better understanding of medical cannabis to help them or someone they care about. And we've made a change, thanks to our listeners. When you paid with your credit card, it used to be, used to say Cannabis Health Radio. But now we've changed that because some people have concerns about the use of the word cannabis. We've changed it to CHR Podcasts. That will show up in your credit card, not Cannabis Health Radio. It will be CHR Podcast. For those who have contributed so far, both Corey and I, thank you. And just a reminder, go to the donate page, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a pledge today. Thank you very much. With her organs failing, she left the hospital against the doctor's advice, even when told her kidneys would fail by the next morning. Our guest went home and started taking cannabis oil that night, and that was in 2010. Joining us from North Carolina to tell her story of dealing with diffuse and follicular large B-cell lymphoma is Rebecca Forbes. Rebecca, thanks very much for coming on and telling your story. Oh, I'm so honored to be be on your show and and uh, to have my story get out because lymphoma is something that we still don't know a whole lot about. When so you have people like me kind of playing Russian roulette to stay alive, but I've done it nine years now. That's great. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when did some of your serious health issues begin? They began in 2009, late 2008, early 2009. Um, I miscarried. I, I got pregnant in my 40s and miscarried. And two weeks after I miscarried, after Christmas, I doubled over in January of 2009 and went to the emergency room. And I was afraid that I was hemorrhaging from the surgery from the miscarriage, um, but that wasn't what it was. They did a abdominal CT, and they walked back in and told me that I had lung disease and that I had a mass on my left adrenal. And I asked them, could that have contributed to my miscarriage? And they said, most certainly, and I needed to get biopsied. Um, but at the time, with them diagnosing the mass, I wasn't eligible for insurance because of a pre-existing condition. So I had to wait many years before I actually went and got a biopsy and saw an actual cancer doctor to know um, what I was fighting. 
What was it like for you during that two-year period where you had to wait? Um, it was a little longer than two years because I didn't get health insurance until 2014. Um, so from 2009 to 2014, um, I stayed alive by any means necessary using cannabis oil starting in 2010. Now, when you went into the hospital and your kidneys were failing, what period was that? That was in 2010. Um, I had had the adrenal mass diagnosed a year earlier. Um, I was not taking any oil in 2009. Um, They loaded me down with pain narcotics when they found the tumor. And by 2010, I I ended up in full-blown organ failure in Apex in an emergency room. And what they told me was that my gallbladder was inflamed, my kidneys were failing, um, both my blood pressure and my heart rate were out of control, way too high. I was in pre-congestive heart failure from the kidney failure. Um, I had bilateral cysts on both ovaries, and they told me to say goodbye to my children, that they were going to take me to Cary Hospital and make me comfortable that my kidneys would fail within 24 hours or less. And I looked at my family, and I looked at the doctor, and I said, well, if this is my last 24 hours, I've got something at home I haven't tried yet. And I think that I'm going to go home and try that. And they begged me not to leave the hospital, um, so I left against advisement and had to sign all the liability paperwork and all that so i couldn't sue them if i dropped dead by walking out of there um but they were planning to help me die so i don't know what their thoughts were (laughs) but mine were not today so i came home that night and by the grace of god someone had given me a jar of oil about four months earlier and i really didn't pay it much attention i was kind of skeptical as to whether it would even work. So I, I came home and I started shoveling it down my throat by the spoonfuls. Oh, my goodness. And within, yeah, within two weeks, my kidneys were functioning normal. All my blood work returned to normal. Um, I was in full-blown body edema as well from the kidney failure. I was really, really swollen like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Um, and all the body fluid came off within six to eight weeks. And I just continually kept getting better. So I kept shoveling it down my throat. Um, and I learned after that how to make my own oil. So I just started making my own um, cannabis oil with olive oil to begin with. And I took that for quite a few years. But it cleared up all the gallbladder symptoms. I've not had another ovarian cyst. I've not had any more kidney troubles or anything um, since that day that I started taking the oil and decided to get serious about it. Rebecca, when you first... I think that's a big thing, is you got to really get serious about it. You can't play around. Well, you were on the verge of dying, so I guess it really yeah. didn't at some level make any any difference, right? You had nothing to lose. How much... Yeah, it's, it's, it was do or die for me. It was do or die that night. How much, and, were you, how much my, did you take that night? Um, I probably took about eight spoonfuls that night. So are and, we talking eight grams here or? No, it was, um, it was just some cannabis infused in 
um, canola oil of all things. Okay, so this was way back before everybody got educated about how to make it. Okay, so, so just I to had be- a friend that was trying to make oil, and they were just taking a couple of ounces of raw material to a bottle of canola oil. So I had a whole quart jar full of infused canola oil. Okay, so <laughs> I just want to be my life. I just want to be clear in case people are listening because boy yeah. oh boy there's a difference between taking 8 teaspoons of your canola oil cannabis mixture. Oh yeah, and and, eight, and, and no, these were tablespoons or eight yeah, 8 tablespoons of, of full extract. But I I've become educated since then. So that was back when I, I wasn't very educated and I was willing to try anything to stay alive okay so you to start with just to be clear though again you weren't taking cannabis oil per se what is known as cannabis oil i just don't want anybody out there taking a for their very first dose eight teaspoons of cannabis oil because that's gonna be huge no 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 this was infused canola oil there was probably two ounces to a a big your normal size container of that, like your vegetable oil comes in. Okay. Now, when did you first uh, first notice when you're taking it that night? When did you first notice anything changing? Um, within the first two weeks, because my kidneys um, normalized within two weeks, and then after my kidneys normalized, everything else just slowly started coming around back to normal. But during that process, I changed the canola oil to olive oil because I was a a little concerned about the canola oil. Right. Um, So I started making my own on the stove in olive oil. And I was using probably an ounce to a small bottle of olive oil. And then I dropped off. Once things started turning around, I dropped off to about three tablespoons a day of the infused olive oil. Okay, so can you explain to listeners exactly how you made that then? Um, I just ground raw cannabis because I live in an illegal state. I didn't have access to a dispensary or a, or a professional um, that made oil. So I watched a few videos online and, and just started cooking it on my stove because um, that's the only thing that I had available to me here and so i would buy an ounce of cannabis grind it and put it on the stove at 180 degrees and i would cook it for four hours strain it put it back in the bottle and put it in the refrigerator and and take three tablespoons a day okay rebecca i want to go back to when the doctors gave you 24 hours to live because they said your kidneys would fail you went home started taking your cannabis infused canola oil and you woke up the next morning, you were still alive, and mm-hmm. I, I want to kind of get into your head a bit as to how you felt waking up the next morning and you were still alive. Well, I, I woke up the next morning and, and started throwing up, oddly, and and this is something that I've seen happen with some other patients that start taking oil, and it was just bile and nasty throw up and I and I did that on and off for a couple of months but I I was just really happy to still be standing because the doctors told me that I could be standing at the sink washing dishes and just drop because once the kidneys failed I would either have a stroke or a heart attack 
um, that never happened. Um, so I was anxious. I was skeptical, but hopeful that the cannabis oil was going to work, that ingesting cannabis was going to save my life. And it did. So that really put me on a mission to learn what other people were doing and try to find other cancer patients and find out what they were doing, the ones that were having success um, with treating their cancer. Because I had a, a very complex lymphoma with one of them being incurable um, that we know now. Um, I didn't know then, but we now know that, that it was the lymphoma trying to shut my body down because that's how it kills you. Your organs fail or it pinches off a major um, artery or a blood vessel and you die. Rebecca, when you left the hospital, you did so because you knew you had something at home that may help you. But as you said earlier, you had it for four months and you didn't take it, I presume. No. What what made you decide that this was, besides dying, but why didn't you take it prior? Um, I think because I was my own worst skeptic. Um, I had had years of, of experience with recreational use as a younger woman. Um, I had actually quit using any cannabis at all for 10 years in adulthood when all this this cancer flared up. So I was kind of skeptical about it. And when it was given to me, I kind of just stuck it in the cabinet and really didn't think anything else about it. Um, at that time, I had resumed smoking cannabis uh, and stopped taking the pain pills. But I really didn't think twice about the oil until I landed in the ER that night. And they told me I was going to die. That's when I said, well, and I had watched the Rick Simpson movie. A good friend of mine had brought me the Rick Simpson movie to watch. And I just decided it was time to get serious about it. And I pulled the jar of oil out that I had and 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 stayed alive. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it's a remarkable story being given 24 hours to live because your kidneys were failing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in, in, in full-blown kidney failure with... With all my organs were inflaming, it was it was hard. I had a blinding headache to where I couldn't even hardly speak, and had my family tell them to get rid of the headache and don't do anything else to me, so that I could talk to them. And that when they came back in after running blood work and different things, um, that's when they told me that I wasn't going to make it. My kidneys were going to fail by morning. How does your family feel about all this? They've been with me through it all. Um, my family was with me in the ER that night. My best friend and and my ex were standing there. And when I told them that I wanted to leave the hospital, um, they pretty much backed me up and said, you know, if she wants to leave, she's going to leave. And they knew what I was going to do when I come home because I had already said something. said, I've got that oil in the, in the cabinet at home. I'm going home. And if I'm going to die, I'm going to die at home. And I didn't die. Yeah. So we discussed it before I told the doctors to bring me whatever paperwork was necessary for me to walk out of there. Did you in your heart of hearts think that the uh, mixture that you had at home, tincture or whatever, did you really think that it would work, Rebecca? No. Mm. Oh, I you, didn't. You didn't? 
No, not really. I wasn't sure. But you were so desperate that you'd try anything in order to live, which well, is when, under- when the doctors tell you that, that you're going to die and you're not going to see your grandchild born. Because I told them, I said, my daughter's pregnant. You know, I want to be here to see the baby born. And they're like, you're, you're not going to be here. And they told me to say goodbye to my kids. I was pretty upset when I left there, <laughs> um, but willing to try anything. They're not and an optimistic bunch, are they? No. <laughs> I've walked out of an, an ER now twice against advisement. I walked out of another one in 2012 against advisement. What was that about? Um, in 2000, well, by, we've been talking about the 2010 incident. Um, by 2012, I had completely shrunk the adrenal mass and healed um, the scar tissue on my left lung that was caused by that tumor. Because that is what had happened. The adrenal mass had made a a dead area of tissue on my left lung. So by 2012, I felt great. And was the tumor was shrunk and gone. So I was thinking I was okay. And I stopped taking the infused oil on a daily basis. And within three months, I had a tumor come up on my collarbone. On my left side, it started out about the size of a pea. And by 2014, um, it was very large. I think I sent Corey a picture of my neck. And it actually swole two nodes on that side of my neck by that summer. So um, we knew something, something was wrong. I still didn't at that point know what it was. Um, so I amped up the oil again and this time it was a little more resistant to the olive oil mixture that I was making so I drove to Michigan and was donated a dose of of RSO 60 grams of of full extract cannabis oil so you were donated 60 grams of Rick Simpson oil you started taking it and what happened um, the tumors in my neck stabilized, um, but when I ran out of the full extract and had to go back to my own method with the olive oil, they started getting larger. Because so, it, probably because it wasn't as concentrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I talked to a couple of people in Colorado that were working with cancer patients, and they told me to change the olive oil. To coconut oil and almost instantly um, my neck started shrinking and that's the side-by-side graphic that I sent you Corey that was before any conventional treatment I shrunk my neck right um, but at that point by the time I got it shrunk in late 2013 early 2014 my insurance kicked in the Obamacare that allowed pre-existing conditions, um, insurance kicked in, and I went to UNC Cancer Center for a biopsy. And what did they say? And They did a needle biopsy, and it came back inconclusive as to cancer type, but they knew it was lymphoma. So then I had to be scheduled for an excision biopsy where they removed the node behind my ear. 
um, for biopsy. And that's when they figured out that it was diffuse and follicular large B-cell lymphoma stage two to three. And that was at UNC Cancer Centers. Um, but they did document the fact that I was taking cannabis oil for me. Um, once they found out what kind of cancer I was walking around with, they were all pretty shocked that I was uh, alive. Because <laughs> diffuse large B-cell is one of the most aggressive forms of non-Hodgkin's. And by their standards, without conventional treatment, most people only live three to six months to a year from the emergence of a tumor. What was their attitude toward you taking cannabis oil? Um, some of the doctors were a little put off by it, but some of them weren't. Um, I had one neurologist at UNC that was involved in my biopsy Um that when we we interviewed for the biopsy, the node was really large. And this was during the time that I started making my homemade version of cannabis oil um, with coconut oil. And by the time I went for biopsy, instead of taking a one centimeter piece, he was able to take the whole node. I had shrunk it that much. And, and mind you, this was like right behind my ear, right near my, my jugular vein and your facial nerves and your um, salivary glands and different things like that. So it was, it was not a – it was a dangerous surgery because of where it was mm -hmm. to remove that lymph node. And I had to sign some paperwork just in case they paralyzed my face or other things that could have happened, which none of that happened, thankfully. But um, – they got the note out, and, and we figured out what I was fighting. And that's when it got pretty serious with them, that where they, they were ready to do chemo. And um, UNC actually wanted to go digging around in my lung, and I wouldn't let them. And they wanted to do a bone marrow biopsy, and I said no. And I went for a second opinion at Duke, and my Duke doctor welcomed me with open arms about the cannabis oil. She actually documented that I, I took homemade oil on my records. Yeah, that's great. Good for her. Did you undergo yeah. did you undergo chemo at all? I did. I did um four of six chemo treatments and my Duke doctor attributes that to the fact um that I had been taking the cannabis oil for so long and that um, I took it through chemo, and she knew it. She knew what I was doing. How did you feel taking chemo? I felt horrible about it. My mom was the one that kind of talked me into it. I didn't want to do it. Did it make you sick at all? Not as sick as some of the other people that were getting the kind of chemo I was. It was a rather interesting experience. I had a chemo buddy, uh, Jenna Broom, that went with me, and the first chemo, my mother flew down here um, from Maine to be with me, and they put me in a hospital bed, and they they would tell me what what they was common to happen each drug that they administered to me because my chemo had like five different drugs. So they would tell me, well, this drug is going to make you have the shakes, and we have morphine here um, to help you through it. When you feel it starting, 
just relax. We'll talk you through it. We'll give you the morphine and, and get you through it. It shouldn't last very long. Well, I never had them. I never once had the shakes from that drug. And then there was an, another drug that they gave me that they told me it would make me feel like I was ice cold, like I was freezing. And um, they brought in a stack of warm blankets and said, you know, if you get cold, just let us know. We'll put these blankets on you. I never felt that. I never um, did the freezing thing. And a couple other of, of interesting high points about going into chemo is I walked into chemo with a fully functioning immune system at stage two to three. And I also walked into chemo with normal blood work. And that was one of the confusing things about me, and I, I can only attribute it to the amount of cannabis oil I was taking, is that my blood work was always good. Even after a chemo, I'd go three weeks before I had to have another one. By the time I came back for another chemo, my blood work was completely normal. You must have been a bit of a puzzle for them. I was. And I think that's the only reason that my Duke doctor took me on, because she told me that even if I chose not to do the chemo, that she would be my doctor. There was really not a reason why I lived other than whatever I was doing. And when, when she said, what have you been doing? And I said, I've been eating cannabis, infusing it in coconut oil. Um, I don't think she'd ever probably had anybody say that to her before. <laughs> I think you could be right. Yeah, I think you've got a great doctor there. I would oh, I her. do. I love her. I love her. And, and the sad thing about my doctor is um, I also do a lot of lobbying here to change the laws. And the legislators wanted a doctor to come down and talk to them. So I went to my doctor and I said, you know, I'd really love for you to come down here and talk to these politicians about my case. And so she was excited about it, went to Duke to ask them, could she come down and, and you know, just talk about my case with these legislators? They told her no. They told her that it was against Duke policy to get involved in the anything political surrounding a Schedule One drug. And they shut her right down from being able to publicly say anything about my case. Yeah, we know what's behind that. It's a big pharma money yeah. behind that. No, yeah. Rebecca, are you clear of cancer today? No, um, that's the sad thing about lymphoma. It's not um, with the follicular that I have, it's incurable. So I'll never be cancer free. Um, at this point in the game, it's about just staying alive and, and maintaining and fighting through um, the flares that I'll, I'll have because of the follicular. It can do the same thing as the diffuse. It can swell a, a node and then move and then swell a node and then move. It's it's a really weird, slow-moving, incurable lymphoma. The follicular lymphoma is. So I, I'm one of those rare ones that I'll never be cancer-free. But you're in control of it. Yes, I keep it in control. Yep. When I have a flare, I up my medicine again get it under control and then I kind of level back out to a maintenance dose. Are you doing um, are I, you doing actual oil now or are you just doing um your little concoction? Um, now I've actually got a caregiver that's 
making medicine for me and I'm taking it in capsule form, which I like a lot better. How much would you say you're taking a day, Rebecca? Right now I'm up to 1,500 milligrams a day. And I'm working towards 2,000 milligrams a day. So that's 15 capsules. They're they're about 100 milligrams a cap. So I'm I'm on fifteen a day. So what's what's that in grams for us who are not so good with measurements? Uh, like that? That's one and a half grams. Is that one and a half grams? Yeah. There, there, <laughs> yeah. There are Normally, on average, one gram of oil is a thousand milligrams. Yep. Give okay. or take, depending on the strain. Strain. Yeah. Well, thank um, you, thank you, uh, mathematician. Come on, Corey. Jess up you, there. You're, you're, yeah. We've been on the metric system for decades now. Come that on. has absolutely one, nothing one to do with it. Yeah, one mL of of FICO, of full extract, is normally a thousand milligrams. And and I got that number from a doctor that I know that that tested their oil. That was from a legal state. So normally a mL is right around a thousand milligrams. So I'm on a gram and a half basically. A day right now. Okay, thank you. And you want to bump that up? And to- then I, yeah, I want to bump it up to two thousand for a little bit because I've got a, a tumor in my jaw that I'm dealing with right now um, that popped up. So, but it's par for the course with the type of lymphoma that I have, and and I've not met anybody else yet. Other, the closest woman I've found is the lady in Michigan, Sue Doty, that I found Sue. That's fighting the follicular as well, and sh- and she'll as well let you know it's a it's a battle. Yeah, yeah, it's we, an in- it's, yeah. We interviewed it's her. A, yeah. Well, I was so excited to see that because I've only met <laughs> two other patients fighting lymphoma. One of them is fighting the diffuse in Maine, and now I've found Sue that's fighting the follicular. And see, I have both, so. Yeah. It's yeah. been rather um, enlightening to meet two other women who are fighting these two cancers. Well, I thought it, you knew it, Sue, you, you know, for no. the longest time. So that's great. That's what we did, Ian. We, it we wasn't did a show. Until and, I saw, uh, yeah, it wasn't until I saw you guys' episode on her. I sat here and bawled oh, wow. that morning when, when I saw that episode because I, I honestly don't know anybody else besides those two women having any success with these cancers they're bad (laughs) well with maybe with your story rebecca we can uh, enlarge the group and other people who have what you have can uh, start taking cannabis oil and start to uh, correct their problems because i think it's just remarkable that you had 24 hours to live uh in in 2010 and here you are today you are you're alive this is 2017 yeah and i've seen two grandchildren born they told me I wasn't going to see the first one born, and now I've got two. Have you ever run into the doctors who said you'd be dead within 24 hours? You know, we were just talking about that a couple of weeks ago about looking up that ER doctor because I've got all my, my paperwork with his name on it. And and I really think that that's something that I should do in the near future is go and, and, and find him and just look him in the eye and say, do you remember me? And Do you remember what you said to my family? I'm still here. Would you like to know why? <laughs> because from 2009 until 2014, when I did the four out of six chemo treatments, I, I depended on nothing but cannabis products to stay alive, eating anything I could get my hands on. I had some people send me some lollipops 
that I, I took during my chemo that helped a whole lot. Um, I would eat a hundred milligram lollipop while I was getting the chemo treatments. And I sat there like nothing was going on. I mean, the, the, the nurses were even talking about me saying she really is handling this really well. And, and I really did. And, and, um, I was clear, um, of the diffuse large B cell by the third chemo treatment. And that, that allowed me to stop at the fourth treatment. I didn't even have to finish the full protocol um, for the diffuse large B cell. That's a blessing in itself because every chemo treatment, it gets a little worse on you. So the less chemo I think that someone can do, the better. And for me, it shortened my chemo by two treatments, which is major. Yes. Yeah. Rebecca, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and it's great that you're alive and kicking. Thank you very oh, much. Oh, it is great that I'm alive and kicking. You're, <laughs> yeah. oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. I, I intend to stay alive and kicking. <laughs> good, good for you. You go, girl. Yeah. Rebecca, thank you so much, eh? You're so welcome, Corey. I love you. Aw, thanks. And if you'd like to tell your story about the use of cannabis and how it has improved your health if you had a serious health issue, send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. That's it for another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.